0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the word of God. Father, this morning that as we are transitioning from glory to glory. That Father, that there are situations and circumstances that that would seek to deny your truth. But we know that your truth prevails in every situation. And Lord, your word says that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And so, Father, this morning, corporately, we pray for those who are in situations and circumstances that would seek to deny the truth of your word. And Father, we release the healing word to those who are sick in body, we release the healing word to those who are bound by disease, we release the word of the Lord to those who are bound by, by situations of grief and depression. And, Father, we break those strongholds in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, this morning that your glory is increasing in this hour, that there is an unprecedented increase of glory in the Brazos Valley, that, Father, your move is, is unstoppable, that your kingdom is unshakable. And that, Father, your your word is is going forth to accomplish what you've sent it to do. And we thank you for the prophetic words that are coming to pass in this hour. We thank you, Father, that you are doing the unprecedented in this hour. And that there are prophetic words for our families and for our lives that we are seeing fulfilled before our very eyes. And Father, we choose to take the stance that Paul said to Timothy. And we war with the prophetic words. We wrestle with them and we war with them. We take them as weapons in our hands. And we declare to the atmosphere and the the prevailing principalities over our region, the word of the Lord stands true. The word of the Lord stands true. And we take those prophetic words as weapons in our hands. And we take the land that you've given us. And we declare the words shall come to pass. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we thank you this morning, God. We thank you, and Father, as we get ready to go into your word, we thank you that your word is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And that, Father, when you send forth your word, it accomplishes what you send it to do. And so, Father, I pray this morning for the anointing that makes preaching easy, that I might communicate your word and your will this morning, God. That when I pull my hands back, it would be evident that you have touched your people, God. And that you have brought the transformation. We thank you, Father, this morning for the anointing that breaks every yoke. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Pastor Hector and Susanna send their greetings from Madrid, and uh, they are in Spain for the next couple of weeks, and we'll hear from them later in the service. Uh, they've sent us some greetings. Today is actually Pastor Hector's birthday. Uh, so if you get a chance, send him a note uh, on online, greet him. Uh, but I want to continue and actually wrap up our series uh, on priorities this morning. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. And so for the last four weeks, that's been our focus. We talked about the kingdom of God as leaven, uh, that it seeks to work from the inside out, bring transformation, uh, and that Uh, God seeks to deal with the leaven of the Pharisees and and the leaven of Herod in our lives. And so we we talked about that. And then we talked about uh, the kingdom of God like treasure. And how a man will sell the whole field to find that treasure and to hold on to that treasure. And then last week we talked about the the common denominator and everything that Jesus did was he said preach the kingdom and those signs would follow. And the necessity of having uh, signs and wonders following our ministry because when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, we're preaching a gospel of power. And so this morning I want to talk about the values of the kingdom. And, and I might say some hard things, but I think in this hour where we, we see so much happening in, 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 our, in our world that, that we need to hold on to some strong values in this hour. Amen? So Romans chapter 14 is where we're going to start this morning, and uh, we'll see where we end up. Romans 14, uh, beginning in verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Some of you are going, what an interesting passage to start with this morning talking about the one who eats vegetables. See, it says the one who eats vegetables is weak. Did anyone catch that this morning? Right? So if if you just eat vegetables, there's something to be said about that. But then he tells me not to judge you for doing that, so I I won't do that. But what Paul is is writing to here and what he's establishing in in this passage is that under uh, the religious Jewish law, there were many requirements concerning daily living one of which was the requirements of what was acceptable and what was unacceptable food to eat. Uh, for instance, some food was considered unclean. We can go to Leviticus 11, and it gives us this long list of foods that, that were acceptable. Animals that divide the hoof, those were okay to eat. But, of course, those of you who love bacon, that was not okay to eat because they were unclean. And so we see all of this This ideas of of what was clean and what was unclean. And when Christianity, when when the move of God through Christianity was birthed, Jesus and the apostles taught that such laws were no longer in operation because Jesus had fulfilled all of those requirements. He had fulfilled all the requirements of the Old Testament law, but many in the early church just couldn't accept this. There was great division amongst the churches over what should be observed and what shouldn't. So Apostle Paul in Romans 14, he takes a powerful position. Essentially, he says, don't argue over issues of the law. Don't get into all of these little, don't get into the weeds, if you will. Let people live according to their conscience. There are going to be those who feel like, I can't eat bacon. I am not one of them. Let's be clear about that. There are going to be people who say, I'm going to only eat vegetables. I'm not even going to touch meat for the sake of not having some unclean thing. I'm not one of those, just to be clear. But he says, let them them live according to their conscience there. This this isn't a matter of salvation. This isn't a matter of, of carrying the presence of God. This isn't a matter of reaching the lost. Don't judge them because it doesn't really matter. Then we get to verse 12, and he says this. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. What an incredible statement there. And he brings the, the discussion to a conclusion in verse 13. So I want to read on. Therefore, let us judge one another. Let it, I'm sorry. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know... And am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you, a good thing, be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. And in this incredible statement, this dialogue that that Paul is having in the book of Romans, he embodies the value of what the kingdom of God is really all about. It's about character. When it all boils down, the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, but it's about who you are on the inside. We go back to that leaven of the kingdom that works on the inside to produce, what does he say? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Character is the currency of heaven. It's about the driving internal forces of our hearts. Are we driven by a value of righteousness or are we driven by a value of sin? Do we live our life sin conscious or do we live our life God conscious? Does peace rule our hearts or are we constantly overcome by anxiety and fear, which really is indicative of a lack of trust and faith in God? What are we ruled by? Is joy ever present in our hearts or depression and worry? Why? It's why the, the the word of God tells us that the kingdom of God is within us. It's, it's why Jesus kept emphasizing so much that, that the kingdom of God was on the inside of you. It's an internal force. It's really not about external matters, it's about the inside of a man. What does the Bible say? It's not what entereth a man that defileth him, it's what comes out. It's what is coming from the outside or from the inside out that defiles you. And I, I've been preaching for several weeks. I'm so stirred concerning the kingdom of God because I think and, and, and actually I really feel that in this hour so many are moved by kingdoms of man and so many are moved by, by the temporal. They're moved by, by politics. They're moved by politicians. They're moved by all these things that in the, the grand scheme of things are not going to matter one iota. But the kingdom of God, which is unstoppable and has no end, should be what is motivating us. It should be what's driving us. And I think it's why there's so much happening in in, in the church. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the global church that that is is so out of order and, and so full of imbalance because we've tolerated things for too long. In our own lives, we've 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 made excuses for for certain sins. We've 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 made things okay because we're not motivated by the internal values of the kingdom we motivated by, by that, that leaven of Herod and that, that leaven of the Pharisees uh, playing politics and, and playing games with our salvation. I mean, it's, it's such, a, such a thing in this hour that we can be so enculturated by the values of the world because we, we want to belong. And I think that for us as, as believers that we've got to really recognize that 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 while society has shifted far from moral values the kingdom of god has never changed the kingdom of god has never changed i've i've personally been overcome by by grief of what i see in the lives of so many of my friends in ministry that, that I, I continually, I, I feel shocked. And, and you would think that I would stop being shocked by some of what we see. But I mean, we've got one of the, the, the pastors of one of the largest African-American churches in America saying, let's sell off our land or let's grow weed on our land. Let's grow marijuana on our land. We, we have all this acreage that we can and, and it'll teach black men how to farm. Like, that's what he's saying is, is this will be a great way to create generational wealth. That was his words. Pastor Jamal Bryant. I'll say it publicly. Pastor's new birth. I mean, one of the largest African-American churches in America. All this land is saying, let's teach black men how to farm. And we'll do it with marijuana. I mean, these are the things happening in our culture. And I'm thinking... How can, we, how can we equate this to the gospel of the kingdom? A, a, a cousin of mine sent a message and asked me, have you heard of the woke gospel? And I'm thinking, the woke gospel? What is the woke gospel? And so I did some research, and it is a pervading idea in our culture, the woke gospel that Jesus sent, and that... that That Jesus can be equated to our own sin. That Jesus was not perfect and that's why He could die for us. I mean, it completely flips the the authentic gospel of the kingdom upside down. And, and, you know, I I don't necessarily like talking about these things from the pulpit. I, I don't necessarily enjoy bringing these things up. But as I was studying this week and as I was just in this place of prayer and and, and, and focusing in on kingdom values and, and, and wanting to wrap this up, the Lord just began to show me thing after. I mean, it was like article after article. The Hasidic Jews believe they've found their Messiah. They, they have this guy. Uh, I kept saying his name. Part of his name is Shlomo Yanuka something. And, and they believe he's the Messiah. And he's doing similar signs that Jesus did. He's raising people from the dead. He has all these miracles. He's got the entire Old Testament memorized. All of it memorized. Can quote it like that. And they think this must be the Messiah. And so there's all these things. And in this hour where, where all of this is happening and people are being drawn away, we must hold on to kingdom values. We must be motivated by the values of the kingdom. I, I had a friend text me this week and he asked me for some advice. He said, I've got a couple and, and they, they don't believe in marriage. And he said, I honestly thought they were married, but they don't believe in the covenant ceremony. They don't believe in, in the piece of paper that represents marriage. They, they don't believe in any of that. And, and we're struggling to, to counsel them through this. He said, what advice do you have? I said, tell them they're in sin. It's easy. You just have to be blunt about it. We've got to be real about it. We can't. He goes, well, the, the thing is they serve in this and they serve in this. I said, you don't need them to serve in that. God will raise up other people. It's one of the reasons, can I just be real, why we haven't had a worship team for so long. Because every time I start to put someone in that position, there's sin, and I'm like, we can't compromise worship. I just can't, I can't bring myself to do it. I don't care how talented someone is. That talent is not a value of the kingdom. Character is the currency of the kingdom. And so in the process of, of living Uh, in a culture where where Christian and biblical values have been violated, the effects of it aren't spoken of. Because I can guarantee you start giving compromise in one area, soon you'll have disconnection from God. And they start creating, we start creating this idea of who God is in our own mind. And so we have celebrities who, who would call themselves Christians, but have no values of the kingdom around their lives. And because they've compromised, they've created a God in their own image. And then not only is there the disconnection, eventually there's the, the inner defilement and the uncleanness in the inner beings of those people. And the loss of the eventual celebration of, of even just marriage. I mean, we, we see it in our culture. Marriage is not heralded any longer. It's not a value. I mean, we see it even in, in, in our justice system and, and laws being passed. I know the Supreme Court years ago ruled that gay marriage was okay. But now we've got, they're wanting to, to really firm up that law. And, and let me be honest here. I'm, I'm concerned about it for our nation, but I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned that there's a, there's a, a generation of Christians that, that are so focused on government they've missed the kingdom. Because here's the reality. America is temporal. This is not the kingdom in which Jesus will set his throne in. And if we're so focused on on the politics of today and not the gospel of the kingdom going forth, because what I can guarantee you is if we had the gospel of the kingdom being presented to some of these politicians, we'd change America. And so we, we have to begin to recognize that there is this internal uh, uh, influence that God wants to bring to our lives. I want to look at another passage, Mark chapter 9. Because I believe this is God's attitude concerning these kingdom values. Mark chapter 9, verse 43. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than having your two hands to go into hell into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot is causing you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life without a foot than having your two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye is causing you to sin, throw it away. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not extinguished. Isn't this a pleasant scripture? I mean, it just makes you feel all warm inside. And in Matthew, the the same verses are quoted relating to this committing adultery and having lust. And so it's about values and lifestyle. And there's three aspects here concerning our values. The first is the hand. The hand here refers to the work of your hands, referring to working with honesty, integrity, love, servanthood. If any part of your life does not allow you to do those things, cut it off. If there's any part of your life that does not allow you to serve and to work with honesty, integrity, deal with it. Cut it off. Your feet referring to your walk, your morality, your ethics, your righteousness, obedience to the ways and the wills of God. If there's any part of your life that hinders your walk, cut it off. Jesus is so clear here. And then your eyes referring to where your heart is centered. The eye being the gateway to your soul. What you meditate on. What you take into yourself. And here's the issue. When living the kingdom of God values, we seek to walk in all aspects according to the values that Jesus taught in His Word. That when weaknesses in areas of our life are evident, cut it out, do radical surgery. I had to cut off relationships in my life. Christian people, but they were so bitter and didn't want to change that their bitterness began to poison the, my own waters. And I began to make their bitterness my bitterness. I began to take offense to the same things that they were taking offense to and not recognizing how it was influencing my own walk. I began to believe lies about other pastors. Well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. And, and lately, my journey has been one of repentance. As God has had me go to several people, listen, I I need to repent to you because I believed something about you that I have seen the evidence that is not true. When we live based on kingdom values, we will deal with the internal issues. We will deal with those things that cause us to to operate in certain ways. We take every effort to address the problem and not allow ourselves to be swayed into wrong living by the world's pressure to conform. Let's look at Mark 10 verse 17. As he was sitting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to them, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus responded again and said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God for all things are possible with God, it's a very relevant story because our culture values highly financial security and advancement. And in principle, this is not wrong. Don't don't hear me. I'm not joining the bandwagon that says it's wrong to have wealth. I'm not joining that narrative that says you can't have money. Money can't have you. The issue with the rich young ruler here was not that he was rich. It was not that he owned much property. It was that much property owned him. Now, of course, this is not asking all of us to see everything and give it to the poor. The problem was that he was owned, and Jesus proposed radical surgery. He said, this controls you. All of this owns you. Cut it off. So the principle in this case is when the worldly value of riches overtakes and rules our hearts... Displacing God, then radical surgery of those riches and controls must be instituted. Whatever has taken priority over the kingdom of God values must be severed from our lives. It must be. We must sever it. Let me bring this into focus. The culture outside the church is invading the church. What once was unacceptable is justifiable today by Christians. I'm not talking about legalism, church. You know, I grew up in a movement where you were considered real holy if the women wore no makeup and had buns as high as heaven. The higher the hair, the closer to Jesus. Right? How high can you get it? I mean, but can we be real? The vanity that was in that... (laughs) Just because they had no makeup on. I love what Francis Hunter used to say, if the barn needs painting, I'll get you the paint. (laughs) You can be as covered up and still full of lust. It's not the outward appearance. But what was once unacceptable, we justify today. We're talking about values of biblical behavior clearly described in the pages of Scripture. Values such as living a righteous lifestyle, living a life of servanthood, living a life of self-sacrifice, of love, generosity, a life that is pleasing to God in every respect, living a life of submission and obedience to God. It is with these values that we enter the kingdom of God. And if there's ever been a time to be students of the Word of God, it is now. To know and understand the principles with which we walk by and live a life pleasing to God. There was a time when these values were part of the foundation of our culture. I was even thinking about it this morning. One of my goals in in, in 2023 is I'd love to run a 5K. That's one of my goals. You know me. I, I talk about it. My gym membership canceled me. I didn't cancel. They canceled me. But it was one of my goals, and I was thinking about it. And then I thought about, here on a Sunday, we have the BCS Marathon. Forty years ago, that would have never happened on a Sunday. Our culture has shifted so far away. And let me say this, I think in some ways that's good. Because there were a lot of religious people who carried no relationship with the Lord. And I think that we have a generation of people who are catching the genuine move of God. That there is a hunger for the move of God like never before. That there is an undercurrent of revival taking place in the hearts of this generation. But but I thought it funny. I thought, here we are, I'm having to send a text message on a Saturday night. Hey, make extra time because there's a marathon that's going to shut down our city on a Sunday morning and might block your way to church. I got stuck in traffic at 8.30 on a Sunday morning because of a marathon. I long for the day when I get stuck in traffic trying to get here because revival's broken out. It's been prophesied so many times over this region that they will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that they'll be lined up on the 6th in both directions to get into Bryan College Station. But the reality is that those values that were once a foundation of our culture are no longer the case. And this is the reason why we constantly must remind each other of the need to walk according to the principles of the Word of God. The fact that people now consider it normal and acceptable to even live with one another is indicative of how far as a culture we have ventured away from godly values. But make no mistake about it. The heart of God has not changed concerning His call to live a life of obedience to Him. But let me add this this morning and we'll get to the crux of the message. You cannot do it in your own strength. If we try, <clears throat> I, I've preached for a particular movement and they have something called the standards. It's a list of everything that a man or a woman should do. Men shouldn't have facial hair. Men shouldn't go out in public in shorts. Women should wear dresses down to the floor and hair as high as heaven. I mean, you shouldn't have a TV. And I can, I, I can tell you, I've been to some of these pastors' houses. They have it hidden in the closet. They roll it out when the church people leave. But the standards are kept in public. And that's what happens when you remove the power of the Holy Ghost to transform you. 1 Corinthians four fourteen and 20. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, that you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some of you have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. He says to them at the church of Corinth, which was a hub of the move of God in those days. You have many teachers. Many are ready to preach and teach the word, which is a good thing. But another aspect is you have not many fathers. Being a father, father's, father's different from a teacher. A teacher teaches about God and the things of God. But a father trains, adjusts, develops character. He says, be imitators of me. It's not about just having your doctrine in the right place. It's not about just having the right teaching, but it's about having the lifestyle and the character. And how do you do that? Through the power of God. He says, the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power, dunamis, this supernatural power. See, the problem is is that people talk about Christianity, about how they think things should be done. And they they give their list of, of what it means to live a right life. And I could give you all the things. I mean, we could be real simple. Don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't gossip. Don't overeat. I can give you the list of all these things. But in your own strength, you will do it for so long. And then you'll find I can't do it anymore. And you go right back to the old ways. But Paul says, let's see what level of supernatural power is around their lives and ministry. Let's see if they can back up their words by proof. It was backed by convincing proofs that there was power around Paul's life. Acts 4.33. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. An abundant grace was upon them all. Great power. There's a measurement of power. The Holy Ghost desires to give you a measure of power to enable you to live a holy life. This is the value of the kingdom. Acts ten thirty eight. Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with Holy Spirit and with what? Power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Two distinctives. You need to know the Holy Spirit. The greatest revelation of the kingdom of God is given to you through what? The power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.4 My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Two distinctives again. Holy Spirit and Power. First Thessalonians 1:5. for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sakes. There are those two distinctives again. Here are the values of the kingdom to enable you to live a life of character, to live a life set apart for God, Holy Spirit and power. If we ever needed two things in the church today, we need a revelation of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. He doesn't just make you speak in tongues, but He gives you power to live a life of holiness. Luke 1.35, coming into the Christmas season, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. We see several times throughout Scripture where the Holy Ghost began to hover over something, to overshadow. We can go all the way back to the very beginning, and it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep, and out of that hovering was creation. We can see that when He overshadowed Mary, the Son of God was conceived. We can see in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came and hovered over them like cloven tongues of fire, it was not just so that they could speak in other tongues, but to empower them to be witnesses. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power to be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and as far as the remotest part of the earth. And here's what I want to challenge you this morning. If you've got a sin area of your life, if you've got a struggle, if you've got an area in your life, here's the value of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit seeks to give you power to be transformed. You can't do it in your own strength. I said it a few weeks ago. AA is great. They acknowledge a higher power. But until you acknowledge the highest power, you'll always remain an addict. They tell you. They tell you you'll be an addict for the rest of your life. No, here's the truth. When I come into a radical encounter with Jesus, I'm no longer an addict because I'm no longer identified by my past. I'm identified as a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. So I want to challenge you this morning to begin to reach out for an experience of the power of the Spirit. The kingdom of God comes not only in words, but in power. John 20, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So they received a measure of the Holy Spirit. And yet just a couple chapters later, he says to them, wait for the gift that will come in the upper room. Why? For power. My own baptism in the Holy Spirit, it it ignited something. I was only eight years old when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it came to me in the middle of the night. I woke up speaking in tongues. But it wasn't just about speaking in tongues, because what happened at that moment was I got set on fire to see the power of God move. And, And I'll never forget when I went to my pastor several years later, and he said, oh, God doesn't do that anymore. The Holy Ghost only comes to make you speak in tongues. So you're telling me that a whole bunch of Rondai Shandai's and who shot the pecan down and uh, Shudabada a Kia, all of that is all that the Holy Ghost is about? That's no, no sir. He came to give you power. I'll never forget watching my spiritual mother, Jill Austin, move in power. I mean, she could just walk to one side of the stage and she'd say, how hungry are you? And power would be released. Whole stadiums would fall out under the power of God. And she'd ask one question, how hungry are you? Because here's your key. You've got to have an attitude of expectancy and desire. You are not meant to be bound by the sin. You are not meant to be bound by those things. Yes, character is the currency of heaven. Yes, character is... But you will only get the character of God by experiencing the power of God. Because it's the power of God that transforms you. So I want to give you just a couple keys this morning. To wrap up, the first key I mentioned is attitude. You've got to have an expectancy and a desire. You need to have an attitude when it comes to the things of God. That you expect that God is going to move. You've got to have a desire. Your your craving for God has to be greater than your craving for sin. Number two, get in the road of God. Wherever God is moving, get there. I think I said it. I don't know if I said it Wednesday night or last Sunday. But whenever there was an altar call, I'd get there. I remember I shared this story. One time they gave an altar call for female problems. I wasn't paying attention and I ran to the front. Because if God was moving, I was going to be there. I wanted to see it all. I would. Whenever we had a guest evangelist as a kid, I'd always be right up at the front following him around. Following her around because I wanted to see what God was going to do. You've got to get in the road of God. Wherever God is moving, get there. Don't hold back. If revival broke out at another church in town, you better believe I'd probably be the first one at the door because I'd want to get there and see what God was doing so I could bring it back here. But here's number three. Surrender. Stop saying, well, God, if you want to do it. God wants to do it. He determined that when He went to the cross. He already decided He wants to encounter you. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to do it. So what you need to start saying is, I'm available. Change your response. Change your attitude. Have an attitude of faith. Surrender all of it. Number four, recognize you need God. You've got to have a recognition of that. You have to recognize you need God. You can't do it on your own. And Melanie, I'm going to start closing. Number five, push into the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit. They don't just happen. That, that's an old Pentecostal mindset. Well, if God wants to give someone prophetic words, sister so-and-so will stand up and tongues and interpretation will happen. You've got to push in to the gifts. You've got to exercise your faith muscles. Start believing for God to use you. Start taking steps of faith. You might get it wrong, but try anyways. Because what if you get it right? Push into it. Number six, become practitioners of the realm of the Spirit. If people practice medicine, you can practice the move of God. You'll have greater accuracy. There are three elements of a move of God. There is faith, there is anointing, and there is gifting. Faith is the basic level. When you begin to just have faith for it, you'll begin to be a practitioner of the move of God. What you'll find is that when you begin to have faith for the move of God, the anointing will come. And the anointing empowers you to begin to have a move of God. And then what you'll find is that the anointing will awaken the gifts that are on the inside of you that you didn't know you had. But it starts with with practicing. And number seven, you've got to build the anointing in your own life. I can't do it for you. Church can't do it for you. You've got to build the anointing in your own life. One of the practices that I have, I, I love Brother Lawrence's book, Practicing the Presence of God. It's a great classic. If you've never read it, go find it practicing the presence of God. But one of the things that I've made intentional about my life is that I've, I've learned to practice the presence of God and that I've learned to be intentional in building the anointing around my life. So I'll spend a lot of time just in worship and, and praying in the Holy Ghost because i found that it increases the anointing around my life. I've found that when I get in His presence and I, I'm intentional about it, it increases in my life. You've got to be a practitioner of the presence of God. You've got to build the anointing around your life. And you can do that being around other people. You can get greater faith hearing stories. But until you surrender in that secret place, until you choose to get in that quiet place and begin to pursue the presence of God, you'll only get a taste of it. Now, there have been seasons in my life where I've prayed five, six hours a day. The reality is in this season, I don't really have five to six hours a day to pray. You've seen all of our kids running around. But when there are seasons when you're able to spend extended times, it'll prepare you for the times when you're not able to. Because you begin to deal with the river of God. And so you've got to, to, if you begin to set aside that time now, maybe you've got 30 minutes a day just to wait on the presence of God. Be intentional about it because there was a time in my life where it took a while to begin to feel anything. But now I can step right in because I know Him. I know His voice. I know His presence. And so when I'm in situations where there's impossibilities, I remove myself from that situation and I step into His presence. And I begin to recognize, I can't do it without Him. In my own struggles, I can't do it. But when I get into His presence... When I get into his glory, all of a sudden what was impossible becomes possible. All of a sudden I can do the radical surgery that's necessary to cut out those things from my life. So this morning I want to encourage you. We're going to have an altar call in just a little bit, but I want to encourage you do these seven things. Build the anointing around your life, believe God that you're going to have the faith and the ability to walk out of some of your messes. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.